0: Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Report on the Cat's Roundtable. This morning, I have Sean Kelly, a partner at Ariel Property Advisors, also a reformed attorney uh, who became a real estate broker. Thanks for coming here.
1: Thanks for having me, Michael.
0: Okay, so you specialize, if you look at your website and you go over the Internet, you you specialize on... Downtown Brooklyn specifically, the entire borough, but downtown Brooklyn is your specialty.
1: Correct. So so what's happening in downtown Brooklyn? So when I came into the market in 2009, there were busted condo rental development sites all over downtown Brooklyn uh, and the surrounding neighborhoods. We've now added 15,000 new units. When I first came into the market, rents were $40 a foot. Deals are being underwritten at $80 a foot. Rents will hit 90 um, ninety a foot in the next 18 to 24 months. Uh, we also have a new office tower in downtown Brooklyn, uh, a couple of them, uh, one of which we had sold the land under to uh, JEMB, uh, owned by the, the Bailey, fan, Bailey and Jerome family. Spectacular office building overlooking uh, a soon-to-be-complete park, um, Willoughby Square Park, also known as Abolitionist Park. Um, and that building's actually performing pretty well. There's not a lot of spec office building in the outer boroughs that has performed well, uh, despite the challenges that COVID posed for a lot of asset classes. That building's 60% leased, and rents are north of 60 bucks a foot. What, what about the properties that were converted from industrial to office? I mean, they're not doing too well. So this is a broader problem in the outer boroughs, and it spans from Sunset Park in Brooklyn to Williamsburg in Brooklyn to the Long Island City market. Um, in fact, I think uh, I heard Andrea Himmel talk about a project that they had some challenges with in, um, the in, Long, Island, in Long Island City. Oh, right. um, the challenge is we had a lot of these great loft-like industrial, multi-story industrial buildings. And there came a point in time where everybody looked at this and said, you know, we can really create – or bring Tammy tenants into Brooklyn. And they came, but they came to particular locations. They went to Dumbo. They went to pockets of Williamsburg. We never got them to come to the buildings in Sunset Park um, and not enough of them to the Navy Yard. Part of the challenge is you're faced with 15 million square feet of essentially, uh, and 10 of which is owned by the government, Right. Um, between Industry City and the Naval Yard. Naval Industry City, the Naval, Industry City's privately owned, the Naval Yard, and then um, the Brooklyn Terminal. Right. right. So you had a lot of that space that was really inexpensive. It's hard for, um, it's hard to compete with those rents and the incentives that those assets provide.
0: So those assets aren't really doing well in this market I know you're interested when we discuss the office market. You talked about the micro-units. Let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, and let, I want to be specific about the micro-units. I'm not talking about WeWork space or shared workspace. I'm talking about small suites, something like the room we're sitting in now, um, where somebody you know, is a private practitioner or a lawyer, and they need 100 or 200 square feet, and they don't want to go to even lower Manhattan to go to that space. Um, people who live in the neighborhood – You know, I walked a building recently, um, 10,000 square feet, 30 tenants. The average unit size was 300 square feet. I asked what the tenant mix was, and it went lawyer, writer for the Financial Times, psychotherapist, architect, uh, world-renowned street artist. And that was, you know, just a handful of them. And what's nice about that, people walk or bike to these buildings. Um, They get out of their house. They don't have to work in their house. And it cost them 800 bucks a month. And they're not thinking about the price per square foot. They know that close to home, without a long commute, it cost costs them 800 bucks a month to have their own office. And and I, I can remember 10 years ago speaking to a developer who bought a site in Brooklyn in like the Coney Island market, right, where residential rents were fine, but the commercial rents were the same thing. And I looked at his – I went on to DOB and I looked at the plans. I said, you're building – Retail and office? He said, Sean, why would I build residential here? The office rents are the same, more stability, less costly of a build-out, no regulatory environment. So those local office buildings that you have the insurance company, the law firm, the chiropractor, they perform pretty well. And you also
0: uh, you don't have a loss factor. Uh, in office buildings, you're going to get a, a, a gross foot factor. Gross, gross factor. Let's talk about the guanus. Yeah. What's happening in the Gowanus these
1: days? So the Gowanus has been nothing short of remarkable. Um, inarguably, the um, the most comprehensive, well thought out rezoning that the city's gone through. And like anything else, I think the city learned from mistakes from other rezonings. Um, so some important things here: obviously, affordable housing, um, keeping the creative maker space um, in some of these projects, providing incentives for developers to build that, Um, schools, new school coming to the Gowanus. But what it really does is it bridges the gap between some of the best brownstone Brooklyn neighborhoods in Brooklyn, right, from Carroll Gardens to Park Slope. It really bridges that gap. I think it will be the most dynamic neighborhood in the outer boroughs once we've seen that you know the 8,000 units. And there's probably 4,000 of them under construction today. Um, and what's really been impressive is the caliber of developers that were there. So some of them started off building 50,000 feet and 75 and 100. And those guys are now building a half a million feet. And then also you have the family office developers like Brodsky, right, who traditionally up until I think it's 10 years ago they did their first deal in Brooklyn, which was an affordable housing deal in, um, as in downtown. But then they did a site over um, at the Barclays, and they just picked up a site in the Gowanus, right? So I think it speaks to the caliber of, um, of capital and investment that's coming into the market there. I mean, uh,
0: we, we briefly spoke, but I'd like to talk a little bit more about Coney Island because they're trying to convert the movie theater to a hotel, uh, I believe there are a couple of major developments, including John Casimatidis' uh, Ocean View over there, and he might b- build two more buildings. So what do you see going on there? And, and then the possibility of the casino. Uh, you know, Mr. Sit would like to
1: have a casino in uh, Coney Island. I, but frankly, I think everybody would like to have a casino in Coney Island. Um, it, it's, I love going to Coney Island. I spend a couple of days there every summer, um, going taking my girls to the boardwalk, going to a ball game. I, I enjoy it. What I love about Coney Island is what you just talked on, which is John Katsimatidis, right? Talk about long-term ownership, right? He's been investing in New York City real estate market or New York City in general for 50-plus years now. There are not a lot of people that will go out and take out a construction loan to build a half a million feet in Coney Island, um, it's a testament to having a vision and believing in the city of New York, period. But listen, there's also demand there, right? So there's some smaller, younger de- developers that are doing a lot of work there. I mean, um, Sergey Ryback has done remarkable down there. Um, he's probably built – I'm going to venture to say he's built 1,500 units in that and market. And he was the ma- only he,
0: game in town. Right, and he's building a major development
1: right now with Ruby Schroen. Yeah, and, and so. so think about that partnership, right? So it speaks to – the quality of of work that Ryback's doing and his, you know, knowledge of that marketplace that he has a partner like Ruby Schrom to work with. Let's talk about industrial. What's going on? So the industrial market has... Like the
0: UPS property and so on in Red Hook.
1: So interestingly enough, we haven't heard anything about the UPS property. They paid $300 million for a site along the Red Hook waterfront, and it's been inactive for three years. Um, They took down the buildings that were there. We haven't heard much about it. Um, But there's been obviously an incredible amount of private development uh, of the industrial space along the Brooklyn Waterfront, Red Hook, Sunset Park. We've also seen it further um, into like the Canarsie Flatlands Market. We eliminated tens of millions of square feet of industrial space when there really wasn't, there wasn't demand for that space and we created a lot of housing out of it. Um, And then we had the Amazon effect, right, where everybody needs something instantaneously. So my wife needs uh, cat food and it's at my doorstep the next morning um, because of the distribution hubs. Um, the We had an abundance of institutional capital historically not in the New York market who had tenant demands to be as close to Manhattan as possible and to – as close to the higher density neighborhoods as possible and – came out like gangbusters. And a lot of that is fueled by the stability of the tenants um, and the capital that comes with it. A lot of the capital that's funding those acquisitions are institutional capital. So pri- um, pension fund money, long-term investment horizons can buy at very aggressive yields if they're buying a class A asset with a creditworthy tenant.
0: With like 30 seconds left, let's talk about your boroughs, Staten Island. Let's do it. What what do you think?
1: So I'm excited. Um, I'm excited about the Madison Realty Project um, that they're building down by the Staten Island Ferry. Uh, Unfortunately, in Staten Island, we all grew up with white picket fences and patches of grass, and nobody grew up living vertically, and that includes the politicians. So they haven't seen, and I don't know that they've spent enough time going to other neighborhoods in Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx to see – what a rezoning and creating good quality affordable housing and rental housing can do to a neighborhood. We had one great project that was done on the waterfront by... Petraca? The, no, Petraca did a did a terrific project. Right. Uh, this was Irby uh, right. that was built by Ironstone. Right,
0: I mean Ironstone. So I'd like to thank Sean Kelly for being here today, and I'll see you next week on the Stoller Real Estate Report. Thanks Night. for having
1: me, Michael. Thank you.